for playing that, and um, I hope you appreciate this song when we learn it better a bit later. Well, what on earth are you people doing here? You sort of sit here and you sing songs and you pray, read the Bible, things like that. But who are you talking to when you pray? There's, there's nobody here. You can't see God, can you? And there are many people, atheistic Australians, Hindus, different people, if they came in here and saw you here and singing to somebody that you can't see him and praying to somebody that you can't see, they would think, you know, what's going on here? These people are going crazy because they have something they can see. You know, they have images which they've made, even though it's made of styrofoam, and still you can see it. You can talk to styrofoam, but you people are talking to nothing. But so you can see, you know, people wonder, well, where is this God you're talking about? And what we've just been seeing is we can't see God. I've never seen God in the sense in the human form or any form. I've never seen Jesus in human form. But still, I talk to him. And I sing songs of praise to him. Because we walk by faith and not by sight. And that's what the Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 when he was talking about you know, being torn between staying here on earth or whether to go to heaven, which is far better. Uh, but whichever we do, you know, we walk by faith and not by sight. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 7. So we're going to look at the life of Thomas, something about the life of Thomas anyway. And the first thing is the fact that Jesus called him to follow him. He was one of the people that Jesus called to be one of his 12 disciples. Remember, Jesus had lots and lots of people following him, but he then chose 12 to be with him and to learn from him and then to go and minister for him. And Thomas was one of those that Jesus called. And um, so he started following Jesus and saw all the things that Jesus did. And then the next thing, one of the things we learn about Thomas is from John chapter 11, verse 16. Remember when Lazarus was very sick and was close to death and Jesus deliberately waited a couple of days but then he was going to go there to visit Lazarus and that was close to Jerusalem. Bethany is not far from Jerusalem, just down the hill. And Jesus had recently been threatened with death. People were on the lookout for Jesus, wanting to capture him so they could you know, make up false charges about him and put him to death. And so some of his disciples said, Jesus, no, don't go there. Remember, they threatened you. It's dangerous to go there. But I like what Thomas says. He says, let us also go, that we may die with him. So that's something about Thomas, you know. He's not no weakling. He was ready to go to Jerusalem with Jesus, even if it meant he would die. So that's something about Thomas. And then sometime in past a week or so and Jesus met with his disciples in the upper room where they shared the Last Supper and he gave them some of the most important teaching that you can find in the Bible John chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 
I think they're very crucial books of the Bible. And as, as part of that, Jesus told them he's going away. And of course they wanted to know where he's going and can't, can't they go with him? But in John chapter 14 verse 5 he says, Don't let your hearts be troubled. You trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If this was not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. And Thomas asked a crucial question. I'm so glad he asked that question because we get such a wonderful answer. Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? And what did Jesus answer? I am the way, the truth, come on, and the life. No one can come to the Father except by me. So we have this wonderful statement of Jesus brought about by Thomas. Thomas questioning. Lord, we don't know the way. How can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way. Buddha never said, I am the way. He said, I'm the signpost that points the way. Unfortunately, it was the wrong direction anyway, but he said, I'm the signpost that points the way. Um, Nobody else in history claimed to be the way to God, to heaven. But Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. So that was the very night that Jesus then went out into the garden with Gethsemane with his disciples and was betrayed by one of his followers, Judas, and arrested, taken to the high priest's house, questioned, false accusations and everything, and then taken to the governor's house and... uh, there was a false, whole false trial. Even the governor couldn't find any fault with him. He said to the people, I can't find anything wrong with this person. But still, he gave in to the will of the majority and had Jesus crucified. And that would have been a terrible time for Thomas, terrible time for all the disciples. They would have been totally bewildered. What? We thought he was coming to establish his kingdom here on earth and now here he is up on a cross. You know, and just the night before they'd been having supper with him, sharing a meal with him, going out to the garden. They had a bit of a sleep while he prayed, but now he's on the cross and seemingly helpless in the hands of men and the Jewish authorities and the Roman authorities. And Thomas would have been totally bewildered and disappointed, discouraged, shattered, feeling hopeless. But then of course we know the wonderful news that Jesus didn't stay dead. He told them he wouldn't. He told them in advance that he was going to be put in the tomb for three days and then he would come alive again. But they'd forgotten about that. And so then we find in John chapter 20 verses 19 to 31 on the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. These are the words Jesus often says, you know, when people are in times of distress, first thing he says, Don't be too distressed, peace be with you. Because they would have been pretty 
frightening, I suppose, to see somebody just appear in the room or the doors and windows locked. What is this apparition? Be a bit frightening. So Jesus first says, Peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, of course, where the nails had gone through his wrists and the spear thrust through his side. And it says the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. It's said very succinctly, but man, that says a lot. You know, from deep despair, hopelessness, bewilderment, here's their Lord back again. And so it says they were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. He had conquered death. He had demonstrated everything he ever said was true. And he was demonstrated to be the Son of God. Romans chapter 1 says he demonstrated to be the Son of God. Peace by his resurrection from the dead. And again Jesus said to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. But Thomas wasn't there. And next time he meets his mates, his disciples, friends, they start telling him that they've seen Jesus. And I guess Thomas would be even more bewildered now. What? I saw him die on the cross. I saw him take his body and put it in the tomb. And you're telling me you've seen him alive? So, pretty hard to swallow, right? I guess I can sympathise with Thomas. You know, people make lots of claims, but without some sort of evidence, it's hard to believe. And so that's when he says this famous statement, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Thomas is somebody who likes to get evidence. He'd make a good detective, I suppose, or a lawyer, maybe. So, Jesus knew all this, didn't he? Jesus knew that Thomas wasn't there. Jesus knew what Thomas was thinking and feeling, what he had said, even though Jesus wasn't there physically. And so, a week later, John 20, verse 26, after his disciples uh, were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Again. And then straight away he goes to Thomas. Jesus knew what Thomas had been going through. His bewilderment, his maybe some hope, maybe not wanting to get too optimistic about things, but I love the way that Jesus just focuses in on Thomas. He was the only one that hadn't seen him before. And Jesus wants to meet with him as an individual. We've got lots of people here today, but Jesus wants to focus in on you as an individual. He knows what you're going through in your private life, in your family life, and he wants to help you as an individual. It's wonderful that Jesus is able to do that because he's got seven billion people to look after (laughs) on this planet and about a third of those are Christians that's a lot of people to look after but he still takes care of the individual cares for the individual so Jesus comes straight to Tom and he said hey hey Tom put your finger here see my hands 
Here, look at this, big hole in my side. Come and reach out and put your hand into my side. I don't understand that. He still had this body which had wounds to it, but uh, it was a, a new body, a, a new spiritual, physical body. So he says, put your hand into my side. And then Jesus says, stop doubting and believe. That's why we call Thomas the Doubting Thomas. He says, stop doubting and believe. And it doesn't tell us that Thomas actually did put his finger in Jesus' wounds or put his hand into his side. All it says is Thomas says, my Lord and my God. And that's quite a statement. Lord can recognise that he is deity, but it also means master. You are my master. And you are my God. You are God and you are my God the true God and every human being is required to come to that point of recognising that Jesus is Lord and Master Lord and God he is God and Thomas came to that point I've seen artists try to depict this scene and Thomas is on his knees it doesn't say that but I can imagine he could have been as he acknowledges Jesus as his master, his Lord and his God. And then Jesus told Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And that includes all of you here, you and me. We haven't seen Jesus but we believe him, otherwise what are you doing here? (laughs) We believe that he exists and we worship him, we praise him, we serve him and Jesus said you will be blessed, you are happy blessed, happy are those who have believed even though they haven't seen him and so millions of Christians throughout the last 2000 years have come to that point where they believe that Jesus is, he is the master, he is God and many of them have died rather than deny that fact Millions of Christians have been tortured and killed for this statement or this belief that Jesus is God, the Lord, the Master. And they've been willing to die rather than deny that truth. Okay, then I guess Jesus disappears and sometime later we find in John chapter 21, uh, remember how Peter said, I'm going fishing. And he took some of his mates with him and one of them was Thomas. And um, they went down back to the Sea of Galilee, which is a long way from Jerusalem. So it says there was Simon Peter and Thomas, also known as Didymus, which means a twin. We don't know if Thomas had a twin brother. And then Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee. And then the sons of Zebedee, James and John. And two other disciples. They didn't even get their names mentioned. And uh, Simon said, I'm going to fish. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out, in, got in the boat, but that night they caught nothing. And early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realise that it was Jesus. And you remember how that when they recognised it was Jesus, Peter jumps in the water, swims to shore. Jesus is there cooking them some uh, fish burgers, nice fresh ones, in the at fire on the beach. And that's where Jesus challenges Peter. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? So Thomas was there. 
he saw all this happening. He saw Jesus appear there and give Peter a new commission. But then came the time when Jesus commissioned all the disciples. So in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20, where Jesus met with the disciples, and uh, he says, what is something we should all remember, I hope, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, on this basis, go and make disciples of all nations. If Jesus does not have authority in heaven and on earth, then we cannot go and make disciples of all nations because Satan is a strong enemy and wants to keep people captive. But Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, as you're going, make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to put into practice everything I've taught you. That's our mission, that's our commission, whether it's Liverpool or wherever. So Thomas heard that and he took it to heart as the other disciples did also. Next reference we find about Thomas is in Acts chapter 1 verse 13 where he's continuing to follow Jesus. Jesus has gone back to heaven. He could have thought, okay, that's it. I'll go and live my regular life and forget about Jesus. But no, Acts chapter 1 verse 13, they, they met together, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying and those present were Peter, John, James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas all the disciples except Judas of course and Mary and Jesus' brothers were there too and they were meeting together for prayer on a regular basis praying to somebody they couldn't see because they lived by faith not by sight and Thomas joined in there with that prayer time and then the next uh, well we don't find any more references to Thomas after that. We do have some historical records we have some legends about him. So what I'm going to say now is not from the Bible but we see the results of what he did from here on. So Antioch in Syria we should have a picture coming up there um, so Christianity uh, there began to be persecution in Jerusalem starting with Stephen and so they began to scatter out of Jerusalem which is what Jesus wanted them to do and the centre of gravity tended to become Antioch up in Syria and um, the disciples met there and there was a church there made up of people from many different nationalities very multicultural just like here hey and during one of their times there when Paul and Barnabas went there to minister for a couple of years and the Holy Spirit spoke to the church and said set apart for me Paul and Barnabas for the ministry which I have for them and so they sent out Paul and Barnabas from Antioch in Syria and it's also believed just from the other records that Thomas also was there in that church and he went out from Antioch Okay, now we'll look at the next map. I don't know how many of you like maps, but you've probably heard of the Silk Road, and then there's the Spice Route. The Silk Road obviously was a road across land where a lot of trade was conducted between east and west, and then there was the Spice Route, which is mainly by sea. And so it's quite likely 
that Thomas, do we have something there? Went down just uh, next and next button, please. Anything? No. Okay, back again. <laughs> back again. So it's most likely Thomas came from Antioch down here, the Gulf of Aqaba, and then by boat, and he came across to India, the southern India, there, to what is now called Kerala. So next one, thanks. And it's interesting to see the position of Antioch in God's scheme of things. So there we go, there's Antioch. So the Apostle Paul went from there and he went west. There we go, west. Into his own country, really, into Turkey. And then further west into Macedonia and Greece. But then about the same time, it's believed, Thomas went east. He went down there. Um, apparently he did minister, according to some reports, in Iran, somewhere along the way, and then he ended up down in southern India there. So, prior to Thomas, many Jews had moved to India, and that started way back, some believe, back in the days of Solomon, but certainly during the dispersion under the um, attack by Assyria on Israel, and then later on Babylon, and the Jews dispersed to different countries and a lot of them went to that southern part of India, Kerala and so there are synagogues that don't go back that far but certainly very old synagogues here in Kerala Denise and I went to visit there and this is a very ancient synagogue and um, there was a, a large community of Jews there in Kerala, in the state of Kerala when Thomas arrived and so just like the Apostle Paul, the first thing he did when he went to the new town was to go to the synagogue and he would teach the Jews, help them to understand that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah. So that's where Christianity started in Turkey and then later on in, um, in Macedonia and Greece. And Thomas did the same in Kerala, in southern India. But then he also apparently reached out to some of the upper class, some higher class Indians, the Brahmin people and a number of families were converted through Thomas there in Kerala so next one thing and then he moved across to the eastern side of that southern peninsula of India where um, Chennai is he used to be called Madras so he was based there in Madras and there's a cave there where they traditionally they say that's where Thomas prayed and I went there and it was quite an awe-inspiring feeling, if it's true, to think that that's where Thomas was when he used to go and, and pray there. And he helped establish the church there in what is now the state of Tamil Nadu, um, on that eastern side of that southern area. But there was one time when Thomas had been praying and militant Hindus surrounded him he surrounded the cave, he ran out of the cave and he ran through the forest, he ran up the hill and he was speared in the back and killed and um, that's, the, that's the mountain where he was speared and they call it Mount St Thomas so even though India is Hindu country they still call it Mount St Thomas 
and on the top of that mountain, next thing, next thing is a church building on Mount St. Thomas. So, next picture we see Thomas landed on the western side of the peninsula down the bottom of India and died on the eastern side. And there are churches in India which trace their origin back to that time and they're called the Church of St. Thomas. There are many other churches that are scattered around India now called the Church of St. Thomas which originated from there. And some of them call themselves the Syrian Church. So they originated through Thomas from Antioch in Syria. And they've been going for centuries. And it's interesting to look at that area and see what seem to be the effects of Christianity. But anyway, next picture, Denise and I were able to go there and we were wandering around and went into this little Muslim community. These ladies were very welcoming and um, we spent some time with them and gave them some little booklets, gospel booklets and things like that. So this is in Kerala. This is the same area where Thomas used to minister, but now there are Muslims there. Of course, Muslims didn't exist in Thomas's time. They started 500 years after Christ. Um, but interesting being in that area where Thomas had ministered. Next one shows again uh, the proportion of Christians in India. So we go to the next picture. And this is um, one of the cities, Cochin, the city in Kerala. And it's interesting to kind of compare that whole state with the rest of India. And when we arrived there, I was talking to the taxi driver and he was telling me how that the politicians in Kerala are more honest than anywhere else in India and the police are more honest. And as you drive around, you notice everything is so clean. There's no rubbish anywhere and everything is painted nicely and clean and tidy. Um, there are actually no Hindu signs, like just ordinary shop signs. and It's all in English. Not that that means anything as far as Christianity is concerned, but it's probably an influence of Christianity. But it's just interesting that there is this one state in India that is kind of higher quality than the rest of India in many areas of life. And it just happens to be the state where Christianity was first established in India way back in the first century. Somewhere around, I believe he landed in Kerala AD 52. That's a long time ago that Christianity has been in India. And then this next little graph, um, the southern two states there, the light purple and the dark purple, that's Kerala and Tamil Nadu, are where the greatest concentration of Christians are in India. And you'll see as you, the further north you get, the less concentration there are of Christians, unless right up in the north east, which is next next to uh, Tin State, uh, you get a high concentration of Christians there amongst some of the tribal groups because um, Australian Baptists went there a hundred years ago and they had great response from the people there, just as American Baptists in Chin State had a great response amongst the Chin people. But it's interesting that where Thomas first ministered is where the highest concentration of Christians is in India. So he was certainly not a timid man. He was willing to die for Jesus if it meant that. 
He came to recognise Jesus as being the true Lord, the true God, and he went and proclaimed that in a land with millions of false gods. So he was a man of courage because he walked by faith and not by sight. He couldn't. He had the privilege of spending several years with Jesus, but all the time he was doing ministry in India, wherever else, he couldn't see Jesus, but he knew he was still there. He could pray to him. He could depend on him to help him day by day to cope with life in that very different country, to cope with opposition, and finally to be willing to die for Jesus. Interesting that he had said to his friends, let's go to Jerusalem with Jesus and we can die with him. Well, he ended up going to India and dying for Jesus. And there's a couple of other interesting little tidbits, stories about him, and that is, it's believed that he went to northwest China. So it's, you just go up from India, you can go up into China. And he went into northwest China and led the wise men to faith and baptised them. And the wise men who came to visit Jesus when he was born, well, they came from the east. It's quite possible they came from China. Anyway, that's one of the legends about him. And uh, we thank God for the life of Thomas, who, because he had a strong faith in the Lord, he still, even though he couldn't see him, he still served him. And uh, echoes that the words of the Apostle Paul, for we live by faith and not by sight. And then the words of Jesus to remind us, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And may we be those people, even though we have not seen, we continue to believe. And now we'll sing about that.